0: So good to be with you all, and uh, we um, we still consider Abby as <laughs> Thank you. We planned that surprise for you. You can you can take that out of our support all, all time. <laughs> oh my. I just came off off of two weeks of uh, ministry in Europe, working with refugees and migrants, and uh, every summer we bring out teams from different parts of the world, and we descend on uh, different cities that are taking a lot of refugees and migrants, and so we have local partners everywhere, and um, it's just been thrilling, so I'm really topped up, and I'm really tired. I think I average like four hours of sleep um, every day. In the month of June and early July. So, um, but I got, I've been staying at Jerry's house, and she's such a, a wonderful host, so I feel rested last night. But it's a thrill to be with you, and um, there's my family, the rest of them. I left Kaylee in Spain. She's doing a project there with uh, her university, uh, with the refugees we work with. And there's Asher, who's grown tall. He just got back from France yesterday. He's been doing some work there as well, mission. And then Anna next to her mom and Alex, who are both working in the States, and mom's holding down the fort. So they all send their greetings. They're really sad that they're not here with me. Um, And uh, we look forward to being back here together at some point in the near future. But it's great to be here, and and I'm really blessed to be asked to bring the Word to you this morning and to carry on what we've already heard through that wonderful testimony, through the worship. And now as we dig into God's Word together, to be further rooted and grounded in Christ, who we've been singing about. And the song before the last one, I just thought of this wonderful psalm that says, Righteousness and justice... Are the foundations of your throne. Loving kindness and truth go before you. How joyful are those who know the wonderful song. They walk in the light of your countenance. And that's the God we serve, the wonderful, amazing God who has established his throne forever. Based on those things, what kind of kingdom has righteousness and justice? Loving kindness and truth at its very foundation. That's the kind of kingdom I want to be a part of. That's the kind of kingdom I want to serve. That's the kind of kingdom I want to hope for and live for and welcome into this earth until Christ returns and establishes it for all time. And I want to invite you to join into that kind of expectation and that authority And those values, that's what it's about. Amen? Let me pray real quick. Father, teach us your word today. Establish us in the truth. Oh, how we need the truth. Oh, how we need a kingdom that is beyond this world. Oh, how we need the hope of the gospel. We're desperate for a savior every day thank you for jesus and in his name we pray amen. amen these are the three things that i hope we can leave here with okay so let's say those together clear identity an absolute authority and a joy-filled priority i hope that each of us as we encounter god's word in the person of jesus today that we will feel more clear on our identity in Christ. And for those who aren't yet solid in Christ in terms of committing your life to Him, I hope that this morning is an opportunity for you to have a new identity in Christ. And we'll learn about that. That we will understand and learn to walk in the absolute authority that has been given to us through Christ. And we'll learn about how He did that and what kind of authority he has and has transmitted to us. And then finally, based on our identity and the authority in which we can live, we have a joy-filled priority that sets our lives in motion that's totally different than what the world has as its priority. Okay, so let's, uh, let's think about those. Let's say it again. A clear identity, clear... Clear identity, absolute authority, and joy-filled priority. Let's read this together. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. And this is really encapsulates the message today in the scripture we're going to launch into. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Let's do that again. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, having made peace by the blood of the cross." That is a lot of truth, a lot of theology, a lot of um, trying to understand what Paul is talking about when he writes that to us. But the key things for us to pick up here are that in the person of Jesus, the fullness of God was present and is present for all time. And that it was through him and his work on the cross That there was a reconciliation happening, not only between us and him, but to one another. And then finally, that that authority was not only on this earth, but in heaven, which will result in a complete restoration of God's intended purpose for his world and for us. And then that's what it's talking about with the peace that's been established (laughs) through the blood of his cross. So Paul was writing a letter, and just a little bit of review, because you've been, have you been in the book one week so far, or two weeks? Two weeks, so just a little bit of review. Paul was writing to a new church that had been a few years old by this time. He was writing from prison in Rome, and he was writing to do these things, to encourage them in their faith that had become well-known around the the known world at the time. He was reminding them of their position in Christ and their authority in Christ. He was giving them a warning to avoid some false teaching and some trends that had begun to enter the church and many of the churches in the area. And then lastly, he was exhorting them to live according to the way they had received Christ and in the fullness of that authority to go out in mission So Paul could be writing us today as the church in the 21st century here in Bristol, England, and be giving us the same kinds of words. And uh, what's a wonderful thing about being kind of a traveling person that's trying to establish the church around the world is you have this perspective where you're able to see those new churches growing up in Christ and the challenges that come their way as they're being rooted and grounded in Him and trying to live out their mission, and the discouragements that come that need encouragement. And sometimes you have to do that through what used to be writing letters and sending them um, on parchments to now like getting on WhatsApp and having a conversation or or making a video uh, message and and just blessing and and exhorting and encouraging it. And I love Colossians for this reason. I so identify with this. Not in any way saying I I identify with with Paul and his apostleship, but I identify with the work of the gospel going forth and people that hadn't known the gospel before and were growing up in him in a fresh new way. But if Paul was writing us today, what would be the things that he would want to encourage in us to remind us of that maybe we've drifted from? What warnings would he give us living today in this city? And how would then he exhort us to live on mission? Paul was teaching them some key things. He was teaching them of Jesus' accomplishment, he was telling them of Jesus' supremacy. And he was giving them an encouragement of our hope and freedom in Jesus. That was, that's the essence of the book or the letter of Colossians. He starts in the early part of chapter 2 by saying this. Therefore, just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him. Established in the faith, just as you were taught and abounding in thanksgiving. So that's the start of of this message. Just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Keep consistently. And the way you walk in him is you are rooted in him. John, when Jesus was about to faced the crucifixion, his last words to his disciples, and then that led into a pray for, prayer for them. He told them, abide in me and I in you. If you don't abide in me, you can do nothing. So when you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. He's saying that the way to grow, the rootedness, is in him. It's like the branches that are connected to the source, the vine. It's that life force. It's a flow of living uh, nutrients going from one to the other. And that's what it means for us to be rooted and built up in Christ is we're, we're connected to the vine as our, as our source of life. And we're gonna look at what that means. And when we're built up, that means we're bearing fruit, we're growing, we're stretching out our branches like a healthy tree that produces ripe and juicy fruit that's for the blessing of the world around us. And then that fruit is an example that we have life in Christ. And the way we do that is we keep rooted in and learning from the word of God which he's given us. And that's what he's talking about here. Just as you were taught. And at the heart of all that, there's a thanksgiving that flows from our heart. Just let's take a second to think, Is that thanksgiving, that joyful celebration, lacking in your life today? I won't ask your spouse or your children. (laughs) Let's ask ourselves that. I know if you ask my wife and children, they might say, Hmm, John, where's that joyful celebration of Christ? You're not displaying that right now. But when that's lacking in our life, that means we're disconnected from our source. There are trials and tribulations. That is real. There are real struggles like we heard today. But when we are rooted and grounded in Christ, there's a different fruit that's produced. Paul could say this. Paul was writing from prison. He said, I consider my sufferings. I I, I'm thankful of my sufferings on your behalf because I'm completing what's still lacking in Christ's affliction on behalf of the church. How could Paul be saying that, that he rejoiced in his afflictions and sufferings? Because he knew that somehow by participating in the sufferings of Christ, he was completing the work of Christ in this world. So when we so identify with Christ that we can embrace also the suffering for him, we so much more are able to experience the joy of the celebration of what is to come about being in that kingdom that we're praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Paul goes on to say, see to it that no one takes you captive "...by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and you have been filled up in Christ, who is the head of all rule and authority." In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him, you were also raised with him, in, uh, buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of demand, uh, debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. And put, uh, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing them. In him. There is a lot there. So, we're going to unpack what Christ accomplished on the cross. And I want to start by a simple illustration. One thing we did this last two weeks is we trained our teams of people just like you to be able to share, do three things. One is hear people's stories, because we were dealing with people that have crazy stories of fleeing countries or leaving for one reason or the other. Uh, many of them crossing the Mediterranean by trafficked people and, um, and or, um, you know, one way cr- crossing through Greece or crossing across the Mediterranean through Spain or Malta or Italy and trying to find a new life. So letting, um, letting people tell their story and in a compassionate way receiving that story. And then being able to tell your story in the greater midst of God's story of how God's plan to reconcile the world, and then finally to welcome them into that story. So that's what we taught people. We gave them a simple tool. We call it the three circles. And I just want to take you through it because what Paul is talking about in this middle section in chapter 2 of what Christ did, it's summarized very nicely in this. First of all, what was God's design That kingdom that we talked about, righteousness and justice, loving kindness and truth, and that joyfulness of unity with God in his perfect creation, that was always his plan for his world. But because of the free will and choice that he gave the people he created, that got destroyed and broken by us and our original parents choosing not to follow his way, not to live in fellowship with him and obedience to him. And so that choice destroyed his perfect creation, and it led to complete brokenness. And there's all kinds of things that we do to try to remedy that brokenness, whether it's trying to find other ways back to peace with him, through our own efforts. Or it's through things where we just fill the brokenness with things that don't really satisfy, whether it's addictions or relationships or philosophies, things that just maybe promise temporary fulfillment but leave us just as broken as before, maybe even more. Or it's following False teachings that, that make a promise, if you do this, this, and this, you can make uh, peace with God, but it's all based on our own human effort. So whatever, whatever it is that we try to accomplish by our own efforts, it leaves us still in the same broken state. And I know for me, even though I knew Christ and had a relationship with him the voids in my life as a young person, I always tried to fill with other things. I always wanted to be known and appreciated by people. I, so I was like a, an approval uh, junkie. And I, I, the way I lived that out as a teenager was by doing extreme things. I always had to drink the most or date the most, many, the most girls or, or whatever, be the laugh of the party. You know, just those immature things. But they were just leaving me more and more broken until God totally set me on a new course and said, you got to choose my way. This way will lead to further destruction. So I don't know what it is for you before Christ, what you did to try to reconcile yourself back to God or back to some kind of peace and inner self-worth. But as you could probably testify, those things have left you empty. But God didn't want to leave us there, so he devised a plan which really had, he had set in motion from before time began. And that was in the identity and the person of his son, Jesus Christ. We call that the gospel, the good news of the way to restoration through the person of Jesus Christ, who through his cross, who lived a perfect life, with all the fullness of deity dwelling in his flesh and blood, because he was perfect, he was, he was able to welcome all the punishment and the sin that we had invoked on the world and in, on ourselves. He took that upon himself and he put it to death. Hey, Brother Maurice, how are you? He put it to death on the cross so that we could be restored to fellowship with God again. So he sent Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived a life, took our shame, died and rose again, and through faith in that we are restored. So Jesus rules completely. What does that mean? Says that all Jesus has all authority on heaven and on earth. All authority. He doesn't have to answer to anyone. The scripture says that actually when he nailed the certificate of death or the pronouncement of our own guilt and shame, when he nailed it to the cross, he made a public display of these spiritual powers that make accusations against us. So his authority is over that and says, you no longer are able to make accusations against those who claim My name. Isn't that a great truth? That's what we need to claim, especially when those lies start coming to us of our own lack of self worth. Because by being created by our God, we have intrinsic worth. We have the worth of the God of the universe who has all authority, and He is declaring you through Christ good and perfect. That's how God sees you, his beautiful creation. So, when those thoughts of lack of self worth and the accusations that the enemy wants to give you, you need to put them back to the cross and claim the authority that is in Christ in your new identity. Jesus rules completely, Jesus defeated death. We don't have to fear. That's why we can go out courageously in our faith, because we don't fear death, because death has no victory over us. Even though our bodies fail, our soul is eternal, and we'll live in that perfect kingdom with God forever. That's the essence of the gospel. So as we struggle in this world, we can be filled with the hope and joy of a life with God that gives us confidence to move forward. And that same confidence should be the thing that allows us to not be tempted by the, the lies of the world that want to suck us back to brokenness. And oh, I, more than ever, I live in, I feel like, the epicenter in San Francisco area of where so many bad philosophies and deception comes from. It's like a Petri dish of deception. And it comes from wealth and knowledge. Earthly wealth and knowledge. We live, I live really in one of the wealthiest, smartest regions of the world. And that's not a statement of pride. It's, it's horrendous to live in that pressure. The watching families live in that, that ecosystem of wealth, power, and knowledge, and education. It's exhausting and the world is following the Silicon Valley in so many ways. And those of us who are believers are fighting against it, swimming against the current, and we are seen as fools because wealth and power and, and influence promise to get you what you want. But there's more depression... There's more suicide in teenagers and more distraction than ever before. So has that wealth and power and influence brought what it's promised? The evidence is really clear, but no one's willing to to admit that. But we see it all around us with the destructive life that we're living. You might feel it here too. I think Bristol has a lot of those same kind of... Uh, elements. I didn't see any of you at the St. Paul's um, carnival yesterday. I was there, but I wasn't carrying my brew. <laughs> that is a fascinating carnival. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, it's, a, it's an opportunity to kind of let loose and forget all your woes and drink a lot and wear as little as possible. It's really... I, um, I wore my really short shorts and my tank, but... <laughs> And that's what Jesus rescued us from. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness. You know, it's, I don't want to say it's getting harder to be a Christian because I think it was super hard to be a Christian in Rome in the first century. It was really hard. It cost you your life, a lot of people's lives. Uh, earlier in the year, I was in uh, a place um, in Tunisia where they had a similar kind of amphitheater where they... or they killed a lot of uh, Christians in that place. And there's two really famous um, martyrs, Felicia and uh, Perpetua. Perpetua. And uh, these two women just stood for their faith, and they were like attacked by lions and then beheaded by a gladiator. But standing in that arena and thinking, here were these two young ladies that faced Rome and all its deception... And in open humiliation, totally stark naked, they stood for their faith and said, we claim Christ no matter what. That was a powerful moment for me to be in that place where Christianity at one time, it soared from that moment on. It took off. People like Augustine were from there. But um, how sad that uh, Islam just rode over that and took it for Islam, all of North Africa, nearly wiping out the church. But the good news is the gospel's alive and well, and it's being reborn in that place. I wish I could share a lot more. And he reconciled all things to himself. And this is a really important part for us to think about how we enter into God's plan to reconcile the world. And that's a part of that last point of how we live in the gospel and we're, we recover and then we pursue Christ and we enter back into the world as his ministers of reconciliation. So let's talk about this first one. What is it that we need to walk away from today? A clear, let's say it let's say clearly, a clear identity. Who we are in Christ. This was a great picture I took out uh, from the the, um, I was sitting in the driver's seat of a car, and I just dropped these young ladies off. This was just um, last week in uh, the city of Hrez, and uh, there's one young lady who was on our mission team, and she's embracing these two um, girls uh, that were formerly Muslim, and they're from a refugee community uh, in North Africa that they were born in a refugee camp, but as young teenagers, they come to Perez, Spain, to, to live and get educated. And within the first day of our ministry, these, this young lady and a couple of her, her mates were so clear in their identity and they took the simple tools and in confidence they shared their faith. That first night we were together and uh, this young gal and her sister have claimed the name of Jesus. And the joy of their new identity. Imagine, they've been identified as refugees, and this is a 30-year-old refugee crisis in this country. I don't want to give any more specifics, but they have no status. They have no real national identity. Spain hasn't given them citizenship, and they live there as refugees, and their families have been doing this for 30 years. And so to leave that identity of brokenness And not belonging anywhere. You can't go to your homeland. You don't want to be in the refugee camp anymore. And now you're living in a third country that really doesn't want to give you citizenship. But to embrace the person of Jesus and to get a new identity as a daughter of the living King who has a purpose and a future. Hallelujah. I just love that picture. The joy and the tears that came out of that. And that's just a week weak old um, daughters in Christ. Praise the Lord. And what that new identity is in Colossians 1.22, Paul says, and he has presented you holy and blameless without repute in this world. Holy and blameless. That's what our new identity is in Christ. Holy and blameless. Look at your neighbor. Okay? And say, you, in Christ, are holy and blameless. Church, in Christ, you're holy and blameless. Hannah, you are holy and blameless. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? That is good news. That's our identity in Christ, holy and blameless. Moving on, Paul goes on to say, "Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding and then uh, and then we we already read this again. See to it that no one takes you captive through these things. What is this that he's talking about? Philosophy and empty deceit, human tradition, and the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ." So philosophy, empty deceit, human tradition, and elemental spirits. What is Paul talking about here? I believe the definition of what he's meaning by philosophy here is human reasoning and intellectualism. See, this kind of thinking had entered the church in uh, the Colossian believers. False teachers had come in and they started to make reasoning and trying to lead the believers down. Some kind of wisdom beliefs that were contrary to what they had received in Christ. Empty deceits. These are lies leading astray. Just basically totally bogus lies. And we see this all the time in the church. There's a lot of false teaching and self-proclaimed prophets and apostles that are making all kind of like the prosperity gospel. It's just a lie from hell. And it's so impacted Africa, especially. It's, it's running rampant there. So this was happening in the church in Colossae. Human traditions, that's just basically legalism and self-righteous pursuits. Kind of this idea that if you do this, this, and this, and you avoid this, this, and this, um, that's how you achieve perfection with God. Bogus. And the elemental spirits are rituals, asceticism, or observance of rules, and basically false religion. So we see these, these trends always trying to come in and influence and infiltrate the church. When the gospel is so simple, Christ defeated sin and death, we put our faith in Him. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to live in peace with God and to overcome sin, And that is the simple truth of the gospel. It's not how we pray, how many times we pray, praying to any kind of other person or in any kind of stance. It's not name it and claim it. It's not um, reasoning away the miracles of the gospel or trying to make Christ less than what he is or adding other things by our own reasoning or re-theologizing the scripture as the world becomes more intolerant of those of us who claim single truth. That's what Paul's talking about here. So he's saying, be careful that no one leads you astray through these things. I'm telling you, the church today, more than ever, we need to know the truth that we first believed in Christ because there are some bogus theologies out there and a reinterpretation of the Word of God to accommodate the philosophies of our world. It's all around us. We wouldn't have to take much time to be able to just name those out, the philosophies that are trying to infiltrate. Wow, I read a a difficult article yesterday just about human sexuality and even how parents in the future will choose their babies. And uh, that is scary stuff. But it's being fed to us in a kind of a slow dose. So we begin to accommodate it and become more comfortable with it. We see it in education in California now. The new education that they'll be teaching our children about human sexuality and things like that is going to be devastating to children. I mean, a philosophy that teaches children to self Pleasure, you know, I think of this, that now masturbation is the good thing. Do it as many times as you can. I mean, that's a deceptive philosophy that's going to destroy young people's lives. And that's just the lighter part of what they want to teach children. So these are the things that we need to know the truth. And if we don't know it, then when those philosophies come, we get more and more comfortable. We accommodate them, and we begin to just believe differently. And then we have to do the hard work of reinterpreting the scripture from what we've interpreted it before. And that's happening all the time. The church needs to wake up. What are the reasons, what, what are the things that threaten our identity? I think one big one is the fear of being <coughs> irrelevant. We want to be relevant so much, we want to fit in the world. We want to fit in with our neighbors. Peer pressure. The fear of rejection. That's the worst, worst thing that could happen. You know, We think, I don't want to be rejected. And that's crazy because we've already been accepted by Christ. Why do we worry if someone else rejects us? Because really if they're rejecting us, it's not us, it's Christ they're rejecting. You know, it's a lot easier to, to conform than it is to swim against the current of this world. It's a lot easier. And then lastly, we just don't know the word. Biblical illiteracy is rampant. I don't know about you, but I want to ask you this question. What truth of Christ's victory do you need to claim today? Just take a minute to think about that. What truth of Christ's victory do you need to claim today for yourself? So Jesus has won. Let's talk about the absolute authority. We'll run through these quick. Jesus, when, his, when he sent out his disciples two by two in um, the book of Luke... When they came back and they were amazed, they said, Jesus, even the, the demons submit to us. And uh, Jesus, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He says, I've given you authority to trample over, trample over snake and scorpion. And you have all power over the enemy. Nothing shall harm you. But he said, don't rejoice that the demons submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And then full of the joy of the Holy Spirit, he said, I praise you, Father, that you chose to, to hide these from the wise and the learned, but you chose to reveal them to mere babes. Yes, Lord, for this was your great pleasure. All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. And then he, he tells his disciples that he, he gives them that authority. So the absolute authority that Paul's talking about here in this passage Jesus has given us that authority as his people, as his church. The worst thing in the world is a defeated Christian. Because that means we've already made the the, the stance to commit to Christ. But when we don't live in his authority to overcome, then we're worse off. Because we live in that guilt and defeatedness. The Christian who doesn't live into their full inheritance is like a child who is the heir to the throne, the heir to the, all that the kingdom has, but lives in the basement in squalor. What a tragedy that is, right? Right? We can live in the royal throne room with our king in complete fellowship. We have complete access to everything that heaven has for us. Don't let that truth be squandered by a false understanding of what prosperity Means That isn't a promise that we have everything on this earth that we can claim. That's just tinsel. No, we have the authority and the inheritance of God's eternal kingdom. That's way more precious than anything this earth has to offer. Because it's forever. It's not temporary. What the world has to offer is temporary. This is a young man. His name, I'll just call him Adam. He came to faith about a year ago through um, our correspondence over WhatsApp. And we meet every week for a discipleship time. When this young man, Adam, chose to follow Christ and was so eager in sharing his faith, he lost everything. His father kicked him out of the house, cut off all his fees. He was, he's in university and said, you're dead to us. You're no longer our, our child. We never want to see you again. And I've just been amazed at Adam's response to that. And here he is holding his hands over his city where he lives in the Horn of Africa. And he's just saying, I have the authority of Christ and I have my complete inheritance in him, even though I love my family. And he still prays for them and reaches out to him. And he has one sister who keeps secretly um, keeping a communication. She loves him and he loves her. So that's that hope that God's going to restore his family. But I've been so impressed that Adam loves um, the Lord Jesus Christ and is willing to have lost all that because he knows his identity and he's walking in the authority of the power of the gospel. And he's actively sharing his faith to his neighbors. How will you respond today? What lie and deception do you need to denounce? The accusations that are coming your way that are trying to keep you from living in that full authority you have in Christ. What lie and deception do you need to denounce today to instead step into the full authority, the absolute authority that you've inherited through your faith in Christ? Jesus has won. Our joy-filled priority. And this, just in conclusion, this is our response to what God's done for us, how we now go into the world as his ambassadors. One of the things we did last week or the last two weeks is we memorized this scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It said, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men and women's sins against them. And he has given us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, as Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might, through him, Be the righteousness of God. What an amazing truth. So the joy-filled priority that we now have is as ministers of reconciliation. Living in the power and authority of that new identity in Christ, we welcome other people to participate with us. I love this picture. There's two men. You can't see the other one, but they're refugees that have come from a country in West Africa. And they sat together over several days with this group of young people who were acting as ministers of reconciliation. These men had left just complete brokenness and were living unreconciled lives in a new country. They were only there two months at this point. And they had no hope. They, you know, Many of these migrants, when they get to Europe, all their hopes are dashed because the hardship and the resistance of the local populations they encounter. I'm so excited that Bristol has this new scheme to welcome um, refugee children into your homes. I hope many of you take the opportunity to welcome these children into your homes and love on them and show them what it is like to be reconciled to God. And uh, the one man um, put his, his faith in the Lord and the joy of reconciliation, when he was saying goodbye to one of our teammates, Two days ago, he just fell apart crying like a baby. He did not want to let him go because he felt such joy and completeness now and felt like he had a new family. God is so good. What active steps do you need to to make to walk in Christ as his ambassador? How will you respond today? I know I went long. I don't even know what time I was supposed to finish. (laughs) Sorry about that. What are the three things I asked you? Secure. Identity. Absolute. Authority. Joy-filled. Priority. Good. How are we going to be out as those, walk in those three things um, as a church? Ebby... Live into your fullness in Christ. When those doubts and deceptions, lies and threats to your identity come, fight back with the truth of the gospel that you first believed. Hold on to it with all your might. And let the Holy Spirit empower you to do the work of reconciliation in this world. The world is desperate for ambassadors of Christ. I just witnessed 44 people living as ambassadors of Christ and so many lives, I just told you a few stories, but so many lives went from brokenness to wholeness because of the faithful living out of these ambassadors for Christ. What I saw yesterday just broke my heart in Bristol. Not because I I love fun and I'm always the first one and the last one at parties, But the party that was happening yesterday in your city was mostly about brokenness and trying to fill that empty void with music, dance, drinking, and promiscuity. That's just one little part. There's a whole lot of other things behind the scenes, the brokenness, and maybe even even in our own souls and lives and behind our closed doors. Be reconciled to God. Let Christ's work have its complete effect in you. You won't be disappointed. And you get, look around you, you get to inherit this beautiful family, <laughs> our new brothers and sisters. And so that together we can journey towards Christ in that wholeness. I'm so excited to be able to share at the Bring and Share later today, Um, just share a little more fun stories about what God's doing around the world and our part in that. But as we leave here this morning, don't leave without doing business with God, whatever that business is, okay? Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for the completed work of the cross that through Christ we've been reconciled to him and that he is the head of all rule and authority in the heavenly places as well on this earth and he is the leader of the church which we are members of. Thank you that we've been adopted into your family and we have the inheritance as your children. All the authority of heaven and earth given to us for the work of reconciliation in this world. Father, I pray for each one, especially those who are feeling really beat up and are struggling to believe that they were worth a son. Struggling to believe in the completed work of Christ. Tempted by the philosophies of this world, the empty deception. Father, rescue those people. If that's you today, I I pray for you that you reach out to Christ and say, give me confidence in your gospel. Speak to me, Lord Jesus. Father, let Ebby continue to be a bastion of light in this world. Strengthen this church and keep the enemy from attacking it and deluding it. Father, I pray for a Holy Spirit revival in and through us. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.